I was never a clock watcher. I wasn't waiting for that horn to go off at five. I would spend time outside of work thinking about work, you know. I think I'd tell young Don to remember to have a career and not a job. I think that's important. I know a lot of people with jobs right now that aren't happy. When you have a career, it's a little bit different, right? You're you're emotionally invested in what you're doing. It's not just for paycheck. Welcome to the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Turk. Join me as we dive into the personal stories of some of the world's best hospitality professionals. We follow the journey of their ups, downs, and wild turns to find out what it truly takes to make it in the amazing world of hospitality. This episode is brought to you by our podcast partners at Real-Time Reservation. Their inventory management system is best in class for hotels and resorts to manage their non-room inventory. The web-based application allows for creative upselling of overnight and daytime visitors with add-ons and pre-planned packages. Hotel guests and non-guests can reserve cabanas, pool chairs, activities, amenities, excursions, events, day passes, and much more. The real-time reservation platform offers a fully integrated pre-arrival portal where guests are verified through the property management system. Guests can prepay for cabanas and activities through credit card integrations, which are then processed through point of sale. All of our listeners that might be interested in using real-time reservation are welcome to explore the demo at realtimereservation.com. Once again, that's realtimereservation.com. Welcome to another episode of the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to have Donald Mason, the Chief Financial Officer at Mark Henry Cruise Holdings, joint owner and operator of the Four Seasons Yachts. Donald, welcome to the show. How did I do on the title? Uh, awesome on the title, Steve. I appreciate <laughs> it and, and happy to be here with you. Thank you. Oh, I'm excited to have you here. I love uh, your journey and I'm excited to learn more about it and learn more about what you're currently walk, working on at the end. But every show, we start off the same exact way. It's, what was your first job in hospitality, your very first one? Actually, my very first job in hospitality was at Royal Caribbean as an analyst 21 years ago in revenue management. My wife and I had just gotten married. Uh, we're initially originally from New York, New York City, and quite honestly, I didn't want to shovel snow anymore. And uh, we, we did what most 20-year-old, you know, 20-somethings do. You know, they get married and then they move to a foreign city where they don't know anybody with, you know, $2,500 in their pockets. It's funny because my wife and I talk about this all the time. When we were driving down, we didn't have jobs. We were in 95. And, you know, I looked at her and I said, how great would it be if, if you got a job at the University of Miami where you can get your master's degree for free? And I got a job with one of the cruise lines because I knew that in Miami – that was one of the, the, the it industries, if you will, something cool to do and, and fun. And I had this banking and trading background. I thought it would be great to get into hospitality. And here we are 21 years later. You know, I've been in the cruise industry for, you know, 21 years. My wife's been at the University of Miami for 20 plus years and she got her master's degree for free with like we said she would. And I was actually fortunate to go back to school and get a, a master's from Miami for free too, because I was her husband. So that all started, you know, really my, our, our career started after that, right. You know, when, as an analyst at Royal Caribbean and I absolutely loved the job started there in late, you know, 2002. 
and I was managing sailings, Royal Caribbean and celebrity sailings in and around the Caribbean and, and the Mediterranean and absolutely loved that job. And I, you know, Royal Caribbean in general was just an outstanding apprenticeship for me in hospitality. Uh, was there for almost 13 years, had six or seven different jobs, was never afraid to go into a new part of the business, to learn a new part of the business and have been incredibly blessed, Steve. So yeah, first position in hospitality was a revenue management analyst at Royal Caribbean 21 years ago. That's amazing. Was that something you were interested in, like in hospitality? Because I know you went to, to yeah. Brook College for accounting and then you got, you kept growing in your, you said you got mm -hmm. your master's at the University of Miami. Did you want to be in hotels and, and cruises, I mean, or was that just something that you fell into? You know, gr growing up in New York, you know, when you want to go into economics or finance, everyone wants to go and work on Wall Street. So I went to a private high school out in Long Island. I busted out there an hour and a half every day from South Queens and very, very humbling you know, situation I was in back then, Steve. You know, I, I was around other kids who had parents that worked on Wall Street and, and kind of introduced me to it a little bit more. So when I went to school, you know, that's something that I wanted to do. I wanted to work on Wall Street and I had that opportunity. You know, I was a bond trader for a couple of years before going back to school and it was a great experience, but at, at, at that point, it was the late 90s. It was towards the tail end of the boom, that 90s tech boom. Mm -hmm. And people, a lot of people were going back to school at that point. And I was fortunate enough to get a graduate assistantship position you know, at St. John's in, in, in New York. And I said, hey, if they're going to pay for my MBA and give me a stipend, you know, I might as well do it now. And uh, did that. And, uh, and, and from there, just, it, you know, we, we've taken off. I got back into commercial finance and then... You know, I know we're going to talk about the ups and downs here. Obviously, you know, we're coming up on an anniversary, you know, next month of something that was dramatic that happened in New York. And we were in the middle of it, 9-11. And that changed some of my trajectory a little bit, I think, as it did a lot of people. What was it? Was it something that you're there? You were living in New York when that happened. Yeah. So just say, yeah. hey, life's short. It's time to to follow some dreams. Yeah. You know, we we always knew we were going to come down to Miami. I would I want to say it accelerated it a little bit. I knew a lot of, having worked down there, I knew a lot of people in both the North and South Towers. And it was an eye-opening experience. It just, it forces you sometimes, things like that, to look in the mirror. And, and very much like COVID, really, the last couple of years, you, it forces you to look into the mirror and just ask yourself what you want to do. You know, what, what's going to make your life and your, your family's life better at the end of the day. And, and, you know, my wife and I, at that point, we 100% knew we were going to leave and we wanted to be down in Miami and start something new. I mean, both of our families have been in New York for a hundred years. No one really moved out. So we were like the first ones. We were actually the first ones in our families, you know, to go to college and graduate and, you know, straight, you know, we're going down a, a new path, a different path. And, you know, that was exciting in and of itself. Right. And then having the ability to work in Manhattan, when you're an out of boroughs kid and you work in Manhattan, it's a big deal. You know, I was from, I'm from Queens. My wife is from the Bronx. So we both worked in, in the city and, uh, that was a big deal, but we, but unlike a lot of our peers, we, we didn't see ourselves staying really. We knew we were going to leave. And after we got married, that's what we did. You know, we came down. That's amazing. Yeah. I was just there yesterday. I just arrived uh, late last night. So I was in New York. I stayed right by the, the towers and saw the memorial right. again. It's always impactful when you're there. Always. So. Always. Look, I, I, I'm, I love being a native New Yorker. I'm proud of that, but um, I'm happy to be uh uh, Miami and now. Yeah, we were just talking about that in our earlier conversation. You've been here over 20 years. You're an official Miami. And even I was though, your accent, yeah. Yeah. Even your accent doesn't match up yet. 
<laughs> yeah, the ac- the accent's always going to be there. It's a gift from my childhood, I guess. But you know, provi- it, it's character, though. It lets you, it lets people know who you are, and and I'm not going to change. No, and I love I'm it. Not change. So let's get back on your journey here. So you start off at Royal Caribbean. You're doing great as a revenue management analyst. You do that for about a year and a half, and just like a lot of times in your career, you get promoted and you're you move up. What do you move up into after that? Yeah, so the, the natural progression there in that department would be to move up to a senior analyst on a revenue team and had that opportunity, really grateful for that. So at that point, you have three or four analysts that kind of, that they don't necessarily report into you, they report to the manager, but they're getting guidance from you. Mm. So really love that. Uh, worked with some really, really good people that I'm still very close with today. I consider them family members at this point. And a lot of talent that came out of that department at the time, the, the, the revenue management team at Royal Caribbean back in the early 2000s, I can speak of, of that time when I was there, was v- a very talented team. I mean, I worked with some really bright people. And even today, even though we were all you know, peers at that time, there are things that I learned from them. And I'm hoping that they might have learned from me with my background that I continue with today. You know, I mean, and again, these were we were all in our mid 20s, late 20s had a little bit of experience, right? Some, most of us had, you know, MBAs at that point, but we were all in that department and we all branched out. And I'm really proud to say that. I'm really proud to say I worked with some really good people there, had some That's great a- leaders, you know, in that, in that area too. So. so for listeners that aren't as familiar with the cruise world, cause we have a lot of hotel and restaurant and vacation mm-hmm. rental people. What were you doing in that role? Cause you're controlling a lot of money and a lot of, of what the, the cruise, does you have a lot of revenue in there what were you doing absolutely yeah i mean really you're 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 responsible for the inventory of every stateroom that's on these really large ships so from a hotel perspective they would look at a hotel let's say that had 400 keys it's similar to what they would do there they're managing the pricing of each one of those assets really it's a it's an asset at the end of the day a perishable asset because at the end of the day you know if you don't sell that stateroom for a cruise it's gone you just can't you can't ever recover so it is perishable so it's 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 managing the pricing in the inventory making sure that the price is right for the market and what the market is yielding and also really what i really enjoyed was being able to increase pricing you know when demand was high which Thank God for us. I mean, we worked for strong brands. We always had strong, strong demand. And we had such great data analytics and, 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 and BI that we were able to pretty much project and forecast like when calls were going to increase and go down. As you, you've always heard the wave season in Q1 for the cruise business. But there are also other little waves in, 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 in the year based off of what type of product you're managing. And I was fortunate enough to be on the international team. So a lot of my products were all in the med and in, in Northern Europe, you know, in the Baltic. So that booking curve is a lot different, let's say, uh, when you compare it to a seven-night Caribbean booking curve, right? right. Whereas seven-night Caribbean, you can be selling up until a week or two or three right before the sailing, you know, is actually about to sail, where I knew if I didn't have certain staterooms sold in the Mediterranean four months prior, it was going to be really hard to sell them. So I think that dynamic was that also made it interesting, too, and really exciting because you wanted to make sure that, you know, you were pricing the inventory as accurate as possible for the time of year that you were in based off of when that sailing was. And each sailing, you know, behaved differently. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's 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 a lot of supply and demand curve, you know, uh, ec- econometrics, if you will. You know, looking at you know call volume as it comes in. What's your uh, booking rate? How many groups are coming in and taking what state rooms and and just man, just even bring. I haven't done this in eighteen years, and just thinking about it, right? I can see you now, flashing back. Man, I can see your yeah, eyes. Yeah, <laughs> the big smile. Yeah, because it was honestly, it was it was one of the best jobs that I've ever had. Guys, honest truth. I mean, I think the job that I have right now is the best job I've ever had. But those revenue positions that I had, absolutely, was were some of the best roles that I had because we did have so much responsibility. I mean, my portfolio in the med at that time, and this was going back almost twenty years, was over three hundred million dollars. So, because we had numerous ships for different brands at that point, the way this right. the department was set up. So, if you to add up all the revenue associated with all the ships that I had for that period of time it was three hundred million dollars, and I thought that was a really big deal. Three hundred million dollars is a lot now. It was definitely a lot, you know, twenty years ago. So, mm-hmm. I took that job really, really seriously, you know, because I looked at it like if I did a really good job, you know, our EPS for the company was going to go up. That was my attitude. I might have been the low man on the totem pole, but I also realized that, you know, if I did a good job, it would have a, a, a tremendous impact on the company as a whole. And uh, I took that. I took that to heart. I love that attitude. I think that's a great mentality to have, especially for people that are coming up in hotels. Like you do have a big impact, especially day to day. You can impact big time how a company Absolutely. performs. Absolutely. But those are some of the, the best memories I have too. Is when I was starting out, you know, a couple of years in with the group of people that I look around that I was with, they're all big time leaders in, in hotels mm-hmm. now. And it's amazing to see. And that's all, awesome. you know, what I've seen in your world, because now I've interviewed a couple of people from the cruise world. It seems like a lot of you all started in the same rooms and the same companies. It's a big industry, but a small world in the cruise industry. You know, it's, it's a, it's a huge industry now, but it's still like, to your point, it's still really small. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm still in contact with people now that work at NCL, that work at Carnival, that work at Royal, they're at other hotel groups, whether it's Marriott or obviously now Four Seasons, I'm working with them. They've really branched out. And I just think I, you, your first question was, how did you get into hospitality? And, you know, and really it was just me saying, hey, it would be great to work for a cruise line. But then when I got that role, I didn't realize how blessed and lucky I was because I, I, I so believe that hospitality right now is, is a major, major industry and market that is just going to really, you know, multiply itself by two or three within the next 10 to 20 years. I really do believe that. And I think coming out of COVID really forces people again to rethink their lives. And I think what you're seeing right now in the hotel industry with these, with these rev pars that are through the roof right now, I mean, not just high rate, not just really high ADRs and, and occupancies, but just looking at the over, overall yield, which is obviously the rev par. I mean, that's a sign. And it doesn't look like it's slowing down. It doesn't look like it's slowing down. And you're seeing the same thing. I mean, the, the cruise lines are reporting their earnings right now, and they're all at or above 2019 levels. This is pre-COVID levels. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're blowing through those numbers. So the, the world is saying, okay, we, we, we got hit with, with COVID, and, and now it's time to open our eyes to realize that, you know, vacationing and being with family and, and hospitality in general is, 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 is the thing to be doing. And professionally, I think you and I are both, both blessed to be in and around the industry. Really. I, I, I believe that. I have my, I have two daughters. One is when they just turned 11 and 13 and, uh, you know, I have them wanting to get into it because they, they enjoy going around and seeing new hotels and new cities and 
how different hotels manage themselves and how they and the types of products that they deliver to their guests. Mm-hmm. They love that. They love that. So I'm hoping that some of this rubs off on them as well, because, again, I think hospitality is going to be a major, major industry next 50, 50 or so years for sure. I think so, too. I think everyone wants that unique experience and memory with their family and friends, and they're willing to pay for it, especially if they do it the right way, which uh, absolutely. absolutely. I want to talk about that, more as we get to your spot. But I want to continue yeah. on your journey here because I, I know how busy you are, and I want to make sure yeah. we keep us on track here. So you're with Royal Caribbean, and I want to make sure I get this right because it looks like you just continued to move up because even though you make a change to a different brand, it's still the same family of brands, right? So That's right. You move up and you go into working with celebrity cruises and you're there for a good chunk of time. And I want to jump to where you're the manager of brand finance. So what is your world like when you go over to celebrity cruises and leave Royal? Is it like a completely different world or is it, Hey, there's just the office down the hallway. It's just, you know, it's, it's, we're all together. We all have, we have one stock ticker at the end of the day. That was always my attitude. The brands were, were different. The target audiences, I believe were different. The ships that we were building, you know, were different. So I think the, the, the attitude of each brand was a little bit different and that kind of defined them. But yeah, I went over in 2005, I left the revenue, you know, re- management performance area to go over to fleet operations for celebrity. And I remember before I became a manager, I did a lateral move at a senior analyst position. And I remember all of my friends at the time saying, what are you doing? You know, your next move should be manager. And why are you doing a lateral move? And my attitude was because it gives me an opportunity to get into a new part of the business that I probably would not be able to get into right now as a manager and be successful. That, that was the most important thing for me. Uh, I, I was happy with being in the lineup, whether I was batting third or whether I was batting seventh was dependent on my abilities. I, I understood that, but I was just happy to be in the lineup, Steve, you know. So I did that and learned a lot. And just really, I I was fortunate because I had a couple of jobs before then and I had access to a lot of different systems where I became really valuable, not not just from, you know, a finance perspective and an accounting perspective, but I had, you know, access to our systems that ran demographics and ratings and things like that. So I started to do a a slew of different types of things. And, and, And my vice president at the time was like, wow, you know, you're pretty much turning your current job into a manager role. And that's really what happened. You know, like a year or so had passed and, and somebody else had knocked on my door about a manager role that they had available. And I was just about to get that one when, you know, my, my, my VP at the time said, no, let, we're going to turn you into a manager now. Keep doing what you're doing. Wow. So that was that was something that I realized right then and there. And this is something that I would tell the young people coming up as well. Don't be afraid to get involved in a lot of different things. You know, at the end of the day, one thing that I tell, you know, some of my younger you know, friends that are getting out of college right now is you, you, you really determine three things, regardless of how, you know, what college you went to and how your grades went all that. When you get a job, you control three things. What time you come in in the morning, how hard you work during the day and what time you leave. That's what you have. That's what you provide. And that was my attitude even back then. So, like, if I took on another another role, let's say. And I was at that manager level role. If I had to work an extra hour or half an hour or even three hours at night, I was absolutely willing to do that because you're also learning and you're contributing. That's the most important thing. And as a young person coming up, that's that that was the attitude I have. I'm like, hey, I'm I don't I'm not just having the opportunity to to, to move up, you know, and rank, if you will, and, and, and get a new position. But I also had an opportunity to continue learning new parts of the business. 
which kept it, which made it easier for me to wake up in the morning, you know, at the end of the day. And, 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 and I quite enjoyed that, Steve. That was fun. And I turned, yeah, and that's how I, I turned that senior analyst position really into a brand manager. Yeah. So you, you made your role because you came with one experience, learned the other side and started putting them together, it sounds like, right? And Absolutely. your bosses noticed that you're probably making yeah. their lives easier. What was it? Yeah. Were you telling your boss that, hey, I want to move up and I want to do this? Or were they seeing what you were doing? And they were like, wow, all right. Don's got it. Let's start doing something. I I think it was a combination of both. I think that they realized that I was motivated and I wanted to take on more responsibility. It wasn't, it wasn't always just about, Hey, I'm going to get a promotion and I'm going to get more money. I I mean, I made, I made a decision once, you know, that came and it came down to money and it didn't work out well. So I always, my attitude again was, I'm not going to make decisions based off of the actual money. I want to make decisions based off of the work that you're going to be doing. Right. Because at the end of the day, whether it's an extra, I don't know, 15 or 20% annually or what, you still have to spend 50 hours a, wor- a week. We say 40, but it's really 50 yes. and the weekends, right? So <laughs> mm-hmm. if you're going to spend 50 hours a week doing something, you got to love it. You got you to gotta enjoy it. And, and I'll tell you, and you know this too, Steve, if someone doesn't love it, you can tell immediately. I mean, it, you can tell immediately the person, the, the attitude is not there. The fire is not there. The motivation is not there. So that that was mine. My mine was like, hey, look, I, I have an opportunity to learn a ton here. You know, I want to move up. They knew that. And this was an opportunity for me to stay in that department. And I loved working in Celebrity Fleet Ops. It was it was in, an incredible uh, uh, time for me. I learned a lot from a lot of good people. And, and I really went hard as hard as I could, you know, uh, working as long as I could during the day to to make things happen. And we had a lot going on. I mean, we were just in the process of planning solstice class and all of that. And I was, I got to be in and around those meetings and, and I saw how that, that, that class of ship changed the brand and the, and the brand's trajectory. And I was proud to be a part of that at that time. So did you have a say in kind of what it was or were you just kind of in the meetings in the back? No, I was, learning, when you're in the, what, yeah, and when I, I, I wish to be honest with you, I wish, but no, I was, I got to be a fly on a wall at a lot of those meetings that I'm at, you know, at the manager level and finance, but to hear it and to, 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 to hear about some of the things that were contemplated about, let's say certain venues or who's going to go to that venue and how, how they're designing certain statements. That was like so unbelievably cool to me at that time, mm-hmm. you know, as a finance manager, because then I got to see like how, once we do get the ship in operation, how my role is going to impact, you know, how the shipboard management and the shoreside management, you know, manage the product. So that, that was, that was great for me. I mean, I, 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 fortunately like right now, and even at my last company, I had an opportunity to be a part of that as well. So it, it's, it's fun. Steve, I'm blessed because this industry has continued to grow even after I've been in it for 20 something years. And it's going to continue growing for the next 40, 50 years, even for when my kids, if they want to, you know, yeah. get into the business. So it's, we're incredibly blessed. No, you were in it like during this peak time where it started to blow up and now there's yeah. more and more brands coming out. It seems like every other year or so, or new ships from all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and I'm, I'm a good example of like what we're doing right now. Uh, what we're doing right now, I mean, it's something that, you know, people said a long time ago, hey, it would make sense for, let's say, the Four Seasons to get into this, right? Because they're, in my opinion, they're the, the best hospitality company in the world. That's, you know, my opinion. I'm, you know, I pinch myself daily, you know, when I think about what I'm doing and some of the executives that I'm working with on their side and, and, and even on my side. I mean, we have some incredible people, really incredible people. And 
and them getting into it and some of the other competitors getting into it who historically have never had anything to do with yachting or cruising, they're starting to see that this is a viable industry for them as well. You know, they have guests that stay at their hotels, but they also have guests that go on other vacations. So yeah. why not have a shared wallet type situation and have those guests sail with us too? And create that lifestyle yeah. brand that they want to live. Yep. So, absolutely. Uh, and I want to get on your journey here because I think this is where I get excited to see as you start growing quickly and you make a, another move. And I want to always make sure I get this brand name right. Is it Azamara? Right, right, right. So right. you join Asmara Club Cruises, and you went. You listen. You're you do great there. You're employee of the year for that brand. Yeah. You're doing mm-hmm. a great job. So your hard work and putting those extra hours is being recognized. Uh, why make that jump? Is it something in the cruise industry? Because you go, they're all within the same family. But yeah. how does that start happening? I've never understood that part where you're going from brand to brand. Is it similar to hotels, like hey, Marriott has all these different brands, and you go to them. Is it as simple as that? Pretty much. I mean, we were all in the same building. And the Asamara thing, yeah, I mean, that, that it was that easy. So it makes Steve, it really. easy. It's like, Got it. So like, I'm going to go next door. Elevator. Yeah, I'm, literally, I'm going to go to the other side of the floor and go have a conversation. Um, all right, now I can picture it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we had two, we had two buildings over at the port uh, for Royal, and, and we, were, we, we saw each other all of the time. You know, we, and, and as I said, a lot of my peers, we started to branch out and go to other you know, departments and things like that. And that introduced us to different areas as well, hearing about what they were doing. So that it was, Royal was outstanding at that, you know, growing from within and all. But yeah, I went to Azamar and I got a great story there. So because I had access to all of these systems, the company hired a new CEO to come in to manage Azamar. We had started it with Celebrity in 2007. And I guess the board felt as if they needed someone to come in and just really manage that one brand and break it off and let it be its own luxury brand. Mm-hmm. So they hired Larry Pimentel, which he's an you know, industry veteran. I call him Larry Legend. He, you know, he's my guy. You know, he's I, I, he, he's just a great guy overall. Learned and you're working with him now. Him. And you're working. With I'm working him with him now. I'm working with him now. Absolutely. And uh, I remember he started, and I went to my VP at the time, and I said, "Look, you know, I have access to everything that this guy is going to need. You know, he's going to need financial analysis. He's going to need demographic analysis." He's going to need ratings analysis. So really what I did was, I, you know, I, pre- I did in an afternoon. I kid you not, Steve. It might have taken me three or four hours one afternoon on a Wednesday. And I put together like a 20 or 25 page PowerPoint deck that became his Bible. And I went to my VP and I said, look, I did this last night after hours. Right. Did this last night. Let's set up a meeting with him when he starts and we can go through this. Right. So that he can have something in front of him. So we did that. And that's that's how we met. Uh, I presented the whole thing to him. And like I said, that became his Bible. And I told him, if you ever need anything, just let me know. I have access to everything. Just let me know. So next day he calls and then we started talking. And I'm spending almost more time in his office than I was with anyone else's. And then I remember I go on vacation. I come back and uh, Jason Liberty, actually, who's the, 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 the CEO of, of Royal right now, he was senior vice president of finance at the time and was looking over as Amar when Larry had started. He called me into his office the week after I got back from vacation. He said, hey, look, Larry wants you to come and, and work with, with him directly. You'll report to me and, you know, you'll, you, but you'll work with Larry and be with the team directly. And I said, absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll 100% do that because I believed in the brand. I thought the brand could do some amazing things. And I knew that with the, the, the people that we had around it at Royal and Celebrity and even at Asamara as we started to hire, I knew that was going to be something that really took it to the next level. And it did. 
you know, and I did that for a couple of years. And so I want to get back to that moment, right? Because like you said it took you a couple hours to put this together. Was mm-hmm. it something that someone had told you? Or was it something you just like, you know what? I'm going to put this together and I know it's going to get in his hands. Because some people might say, well, oh, my vice president would have taken credit for it and wouldn't mm-hmm. have sent it over. Was it just not the culture that way or just knew that something in well, you told you to do this? There, there were, everyone's competitive at Royal 2. Uh, make no mistake about that. We had a very competitive environment. But no, it was, it was literally me one night at 530 saying, you know, let me I don't have anything to do tonight. Right. I have three hours. If I can't do it tonight, I'll do it tomorrow. And I put together, you know, the slides and I told my VP at the time, let's let's set this up. Initially, he was like, no. No, that he has the corporate planning group yeah. upstairs. They'll do it, whatever. And I said, look, I, I've been in the middle of this for the last like five years. No one from another department, they, they're just going to run Excel spreadsheets and send him Excel. That's not going to tell him a story. He needs to sit with us so that we can walk him through everything that has happened in the last couple of years since we were running it so that he has a base of, of where he is right now and where he needs to go, right? Because that base, I don't know if he knew that at the time. So I actually, I went back and forth. I mean, almost to a, a healthy debate, put it that way. I'm not going to say an argument, yeah. a healthy debate as to why we should do this. And he eventually was just like, all right, let's just do it. Yeah, all right, so, you're not so going like, to give up. Yeah, go ahead. I'm, yeah, it's like uh, sometimes I can be pr- fairly persistent, right? So he was like, all right, we'll do it. And we did it. And that's, and, and, and that's when Larry and I met and then, uh, you know, two yeah, months, so pivotal uh, month moment. later. Yeah. That's yeah. like the, the pivotal moment in your career from what I've heard, because now no you're doubt. working with him mm-hmm. and you could have not done that and you would have been okay, but you never know. Yeah. I'm sure I would have been fine, but you know what, again, you know, I, I was never afraid Steve of going against the grain, if you will, because a lot, I, a lot of, a lot of managers at that time would have had certain people say, no, don't do that or whatever, because you know it doesn't need to be done. But and they would have said, okay, I'm not going to do that. And they'll just, you know, go back yeah, into their, their corner mm-hmm. and I sit. But kind of always was, you know, I looked at him. I looked at it as if, you know, he's coming in. He's He needs support. He doesn't know anybody. You know, I'm right in the middle of everything, you know. And, and that was it. I, quite honestly, Steve, I I didn't do that because I was like, hey, I'm trying to get a new job. I not at all. I didn't, I didn't have that attitude. My attitude was, look, I can help this person, you know. So I guess even from a hospital – from a finance perspective, I have a hospitality bone or two in my, in my body yeah. because I, I looked at it as if I was going to help him be successful, which would make the brand successful. And, you know, uh, you know, it would snowball from there to this great thing. And, and that happened. So it's amazing that he noticed you, too, because he could have just said, all right, thanks for the report, guy. And yeah, on, but he knew that you were a value. So that's great to hear. Yeah, no, so he's you, a great guy. They, they did reward you. Right. Again, like I said, you had great things going on there. And then you make a change back into celebrity as your as the first director role mm-hmm, of your mm-hmm. career so how does that happen and what's the difference when you get to that director level in the cruise industry yeah when, once you get into a director role there you have a bigger team i was kind of a, a team of one when i was with azamara i had a team before going there and then became like a, a one-man show which was great i think some people have a challenge with that once they get to a point where they could delegate things i, I didn't have an issue with that and then once you go back, once you get to a director level role there, then at that point, you're, you know, you have more people on your team. You have more advanced people on your team. You might have a couple of managers, you know, depending on what, what you know, what team you're in or what department you're in. And just the scope just becomes so much bigger because now you have 10 massive ships, you know, one down in 
the Galapagos. I mean, all of the all of the ships pretty much behave differently at times, depending on what class they are. So you have to have that institutional knowledge to know that class A is different from class B. You know, I mean, you could see it. You could see it in the numbers. It's clear you might manage them the same, but the top line revenue numbers are different. It might some of it might have to do with the fact that class B might be a NOAA ship or something like that with new with, with other venues. But then once you get to that part, then you become involved in like everything new that you're doing, because now you have a team to manage all of the the finance and accounting and the strategy, and you have the ability to actually get into the contracts, right, and work directly with some of your partners. And when you have new builds and things like that, you you now you're in you're in the meeting and you're talking about how to operationalize, you know, these new ships. That's a lot of fun, being a yeah, part of that. That's yeah, billions big, of dollars that you're controlling, and not billions, hundreds of millions. That's right. That's right. And and we were so big at that time. Yeah, if you were to add up all of the fleet, if you added up all of the operations expenses as well as the shipboard revenue that we had, it was well over a billion dollars. So it was a it's a it's a big part, and you have all of that. Now you're 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 a support function, but keep in mind you're still dealing with a lot of folks that don't have accounting and finance knowledge. So you have to work with them to make sure they know exactly what they need to do. Because if you're talking to a cook, trust me, I'm telling you this, the cook couldn't care less about how you accrue for something. You know, they don't yeah. they they have a guest in front of them. Yeah, so you I need know? to get this and omelet out. <laughs> they right. They need to make sure that, that beef wellington is outstanding because if it's outstanding, the ratings are strong and that guest will probably come back and spend more the next time that they come. Right. So when you're dealing when you're dealing with the chef, it's going to be different than when it, you, you know you might be dealing with another corporate planning person or something like that. Right. You guys all kind of talk the same language. Mm-hmm. So that that was that role was fun because you have an opportunity to really to grow into a new part of of, of the cruising world, which is the new build piece. And getting more involved with some of your your partners, whether it's on the shipboard revenue front or dealing with a contract that has to do with a new engine or an engine overhaul or something like that. So then it's 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 on a grander scale. And so was there something you did to improve yourself? Because a lot of times when people make that jump into that director and executive level, it's a challenge. And sometimes they realize, like, man, I'm not the best at managing or rewarding people or looking after people. Or was it natural to you? I always have this attitude that, you know, you have to get along before you go along. People hear me say that all the time at work. I'm a big I'm a big believer in building teams and relationships with people, because the truth is when you're working, you know, 50 hour weeks, you're going to be working with other people that are working 50 hour weeks and you spend a lot of time with them (laughs) during the week. Mm -hmm. It, It behooves you both to have some type of relationship. So I think even more so than in that role, I, you know, I hone my skills in terms of just being more vulnerable at that point. Right. You know, letting people know that, hey, this is what I'm really good at and this is what I what I what I would need help at. I think so many times and, and not just that that company, but just anywhere, whenever I talk to some of my friends, they get to certain roles and they feel as if they have to know everything. And I think that that's I think that that's unfortunate. I like I could be wrong, but my attitude's always been. Like I, don't, I never consider myself the smartest person in the room. I know that I learn new things daily. Things change daily. So you, even the things that you do know, you know, that might, you know, you have to, you have to you know, rethink the way, you know, you've been going about things. And that, that had always been my attitude. That was get along before you go along, build relationships with people. And I think that that, that helped me excel probably in that role. And it prepared me for the, the roles that I've had since then. Gosh, you I know? love that. 
I think that's great advice for a lot of people listening, just to rewind that a couple times, especially at that level. Like, it's okay to ask for help. You don't have yeah, to know I mean, everything. Look, I'm the CFO of, you know, Mark Henry Cruise Holdings, right? We, as to get to get it right, you know, as you said perfectly earlier, you know, joint owner and operator of Four Seasons Yachts, right? You know, it, a lot, a lot of our success to this point has come from us building relationships with everyone we're dealing with, whether it's the shipyard. Right. Whether it's the banks, whether it's the, the the export credit agency that that is insuring our bank loans, whether it's, you know, the Four Seasons executives. Mm -hmm. This will be wildly successful. And the reason why it will be so successful is because we've kind of all melted into one. We understand what the vision is and we're all marching in the right in the right direction. That's incredibly important. I think that 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 role that I had right before leaving Celebrity really you know prepared me for the roles the last three roles really that i've had because you know you get involved with people you show vulnerability and you build trust with them and and it has to be genuine too people are not stupid you know being a native new yorker it's harder it's hard for me to uh it's hard for me to to put somebody on it's hard for me to lie you know what i mean like you yeah we can, we can tell we can tell when someone's not being you know truthful to us like immediately i don't know if they, it's a sixth sense or what but we have to when you grow up in a city with you know almost 10 million people you're forced to make those types of decisions like almost immediately right so i think i've been able to bring some of that to the business world and just not you know not not having an ego i think you know coming up and even now i would hope that i don't have one you know i mean i haven't seen one in our conversations yet i think you're the yeah. most down-to-earth uh, c-level executive i've talked to no, I appreciate that. And I try to be. I th look, at the end of the day, we all, we all have a job to do. We're all blessed to be able to do what we're doing. And again, I think if you talk to people that know me, you'll say, the, the, I would hope they wouldn't have anything bad to say, you know, because I've, I've taken the time to get to know them. I've, I, you could tell from me, I mean, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I mean, this is the third conversation we've had and what you see is what you get, you know? No, and I love it. And, I, I, and it's genuine. And I can tell listeners... I hope you have the chance to meet Donald at some point in your lives because he's a genuine good person. I can see that people definitely say that about him. I but you talked about something I think it's a good segue is that this prepared you to make a big change. So after, what was it, 14 years with Royal Caribbean, you made yeah, a move, yeah. right? You made a move and you decided to, to move along to Crystal Cruises. Mm -hmm. That's a tough decision, I think, sometimes, or maybe it wasn't. What happened? It really was tough. I had been at Royal, like I said, for almost 13 years, and I always envisioned myself retiring from there. I knew pr pretty much everyone at the company. You know, I was, you know, when you see somebody in the elevator, you strike up a conversation with them. Over 13 years, you develop a lot of internal equity, if you will, you know, with the people that you work with. And when, when I was approached with this role, with, with the Crystal role back in, in, in April of, of 15, Knowing Crystal was just, you know, the, the upper echelon of luxury cruising. I mean, we all looked kind of up to them in the luxury space because they were always number one. Having the ability to get that offer and look at it, it wasn't like a slam dunk. It wasn't like it had nothing to do with you know, the economics of it. Right. Obviously, the economics get better as you move up. But it was more like where, where can I make where can I be the most impactful? That, it, that was really the question that I had. And, you know, my wife and I even spoke about it a lot before I accepted it because I'm, I, I'm going from this place that I've been at for 13 years with a ton of equity. You know, you build your yeah. own brand there. People know that Don's a team guy and, 
it, there's a trust there. They've, I've gotten to know you, you've gotten to know me and multiply that times 200, right? That's what you've built there over that decade plus. And then now you're going to go to a, a new company on another coast, by the way, it wasn't in Miami. It was in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it just, you didn't know what the company culture was going to be. They had just been purchased, you know, Crystal. So they had new management that was very aggressive with the future plans and all of that. So I, I, I looked at all of that and I said, you know what, I can, I can go in there with the knowledge that I have here and really, and really make a difference. That was, that was my attitude. And again, you got to get along before you go along. You know, I went in and I sat down with each peop- each one of the people that I, you know, work with directly and, and I let them know who I was. They told me who they were and we took it from there, you know, and, and, and I felt as if, you know, we were, we were really successful. I mean, I, I had a really strong four years there, learned a ton, dealing with some really great people too. I mean, really strong people. Uh, that yeah, were, really were there people was, there that you knew already? Was there someone you knew <clears throat> there? Were you going with people that you knew? Is that yeah, kind of no, how it started? Yeah, no, I was recruited out by somebody that we had worked with at, 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 at uh, Azamara. You know, she knew me very well. She brought me in and then I, you know, I got to know, know everyone else from that point as well. One now is the president of Disney Cruise Lines, who I consider a very good friend and learned a ton from him. Just that was that four years, you know, was a whirlwind because Crystal had been a company that just didn't have any growth for a very long time. Uh, And then it was purchased by a a company in Hong Kong that was going to put a lot into it. You know, we had a a new build plan. I was fortunate enough to do the business plan for their, you know, their four rivers, which became five after we had refurbished one that was already on the Danube. And that was I mean, that now we're talking about what we were talking about earlier. Like, were you in the room when you were finance manager? Were you in the room or did you have anything to do with the new bills? I was in the room listening. Right. But didn't really wasn't involved in the actual new bill piece. Now I'm in the in the middle of it. I did the business plan for, you know, the the the, the riverboats. I did a business plan for the expedition yacht that they were building when I had left. So being a part of that was 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 incredible. It really was. I learned so much from the hospitality folks there. What real luxury hospitality is. I mean, they they were second to none in my opinion in terms of what they did for the guests on board. That's they amazing. could do that though. The, the ships were smaller. They were more intimate. And if you want to talk about get along before you go along, I mean, I sat on the gangway one time in Miami as guests were getting on. I mean, these were guests that were getting on after, I don't know, they, the last cruise they had been on was six months ago. When they're getting on board, they see the hotel director, they're giving him hugs and kisses. Like, it was like family. I sat there for an hour, and I saw this happen for an hour, and I thought to myself, wow, that is special. And then you realize that the human connection part is so important. People didn't care about the ship necessarily. They just wanted to go because, you know, Dave was going to be on as hotel director. Yep. And they knew he was going to be on as hotel director, you know, and, and, they something, and cruises that's different than hotels because I worked in hotels forever and you make some connections with guests, but usually they're not like repeat to the same place every single year. Right. But in cruise life, I've seen that more and more. Am I wrong that you have these repeat yeah. customers that come you, same time every year? I'd agree with that. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, I think in the hotel business now, me having, you know, hotel experience, it's more obviously more transient. There are, mm-hmm. t- listen, as big as, as many ships as there are that you can cruise on, 
multiply that times a thousand. That's how many hotels there are probably in the world, right? And what you can do and the different types of products and services that they offer. But you're exactly right. It's a captive audience too, right? Because I think it's, you can be at a hotel for seven nights and you might, you might see, let's say, a housekeeper once or twice in that yeah. period of time, maybe five times. I don't know. But you'll see them. But when you're on a cruise, you will see them every day. You will know their names. Uh, yeah. They will know your names. Yeah, where they're um, from, those, how many kids they have. I, every server I ever had is like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that, that's probably some of the secret sauce, of, uh, an ingredient in the secret sauce of what we do is that we have that audience that's on board. And everyone's goal is to make sure that they, they have the absolute best time that they possibly can have, right? And part of that is the human connection, without a doubt. And, and when I was standing there, just getting back to that crystal example, and I'm there for an hour. I took an hour to sit there and just talk to the hotel director as people were getting on board that afternoon. And I was just so impressed. I mean, some of the conversations, it wasn't like, oh, it's great to see you again. It's been six months. It was hugs and kisses. And then uh, the guest would say, hey, did you get the new roof done on your house? And the hotel director goes, yeah, I did. I did. How's your grandson? Did he get over that you know, sprained ankle the last time? And I'm, and I'm looking at the hotel director like, how do you remember all of this? But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, what, it's what made them special. You know, those hotel directors had that innate ability to remember all of the guests, but to build a genuine like relationship with them. Right. And, and that's, that, that's what I bring to my role. Really. I, I try to bring a hospitality, you know, I, I sprinkle a lot of hospitality into, into what we do from a finance perspective, because we're, we're, we're in hospitality. If people ask me what I do, I tell them I work in hospitality. I don't tell them I'm in finance. Look, I hope that I'm right. Yeah, for I sure. I, people that I work with feel as if it's we're, we're, we're doing the right thing. I mean, I when when you work in the truth is, Steve, when you work in finance or accounting or even strategy, or whatever, you're a support function to somebody else. You need to realize that. I don't. It's not like a Goldman Sachs where you know you walk in and it's like everyone is like everyone's a master of the universe. You know what I mean? Like, and I know guys like that. But when you work in finance. To the a cruise company or a hotel, your your support function. You you have to make sure that other people do well. That's your role. You're not front of the house, right? So, but having that service mentality, even within our group, I think is important. Whether it's finance, accounting, strategy, treasury. Yeah, I, I agree. And there's some there's some people that were vice presidents of finance and director of the finance that taught me so much when I was growing up. And then there's some others that just made life very difficult to operate in. I'm sure you've seen both sides of that. A hundred percent. Look, I'm a firm believer that you learn how to be from certain people, but even more so you learn how to not be from certain people. And I think I probably remember more how to not be because I've been at Royal and, and even now I've been so fortunate to be around such great leaders that are smart and just have emotional intelligence. I, I think I've, I've been blessed in that sense. But yeah, I mean, you learn a lot from, from people in terms of how to not be, because I could tell you right now, I, I could tell whether a person is going to be successful in their role within the first mm-hmm. 20 minutes of, of talking to them, you know, and knowing cultures, you know, different, you know, departmental, some, you know, you have one company, but each department might have its own culture. That's true. So, you know, you can be in, you know, revenue management one minute or capital planning the next, you're all in one company, but with their different cultures within that, you know, those departments and, and you could tell, you know, who's going to last and who's not, whether it's there up to them or the company's job to make a decision. Right. Yeah. And so I, I want to 
make sure that we talk about this. So you, when you're at Crystal Cruises, at one of the best cruise lines in the world, you get promoted again and you become the chief financial officer, mm-hmm. right? And that title for a lot of people holds a lot of weight when you have that right. title. Did that hit you at any point? Like when you finally got that title after all these years, like, wow, I have this? Or was it like, all right, it's another day in the office? The God's honest truth, Steve, I, I you know, it was like another day in the office because the title, I mean, I understand that the title means a lot. No question. I think from a career perspective, it means a lot. But honestly, even getting into the industry, I never said, hey, I wanted to be this. Right. I always kind of took my career as it came at me and, and the roles as they came at me. So so when I did get bumped up to CFO, it was funny because so many people were like, oh, man, congratulations. This is so awesome. I'm so happy for you. You know, I'm, I, I knew you'd do it someday. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, like, really? <laughs> you know, like, it, <laughs> me? like what? I, 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 I just found out yesterday, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, joking. But, you know, I, I, what, I, what, I, what I would tell, what I do tell the young people that are coming up is just, you know, when, just when you think no one's watching, someone's watching. You know, I could tell you right now I had there were a lot of jobs that I had applied to in my career you know, coming up at Royal that I didn't get. And I always believe things happen for a reason. There were some certain roles that I'm like, oh, I'd be great at this. It's going to be, and I didn't get it, you know? And then you, you, you could have the attitude like to sulk and just say it didn't work out, whatever. And, and you go sit in your corner or close your office door and just you know, plug along at your 40 or 50 hours. I was never like that because I always felt like somebody was watching, you know, they want to see how you're going to react because sometimes how you react to a bad situation, and, and look, most of the times I would say how you react to a bad situation is what people remember. But I think when it comes to personal career, you know, when, when you don't get something that you think you would have been good at and people are watching, they want to see how you act afterwards. I think that that's, that's good advice. Are you going to be a professional about it or are you going to sulk and just say, you know what? I'm done with this place. I don't want to be here. Because I do know a lot of people that have done that, Steve. And I can tell I, you. I, right I did now, it in my young career. I did it at, the, at one point. I remember I wanted a role. I thought I had it at Mandarin Oriental. I didn't yeah. get it. And I was like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. And, and I learned that was a bad, bad move. And I still regret that decision. Yeah. I, I mean, I yeah, look, we all have those feelings. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. You're going to feel mm-hmm. like, oh, man, this would have been great. I mean, it could have been really good for me and my family and all of that. But then I just felt like, well, you know what? There's another plan. You know, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing. You, you're adding value. You know, let's continue to move forward. And just again, you just think that no one is you think that no one's watching. Someone's always watching, you know, little things like, I mean, I, I, the current role that I have right now. I mean, this literally came up over a lunch that I was having with someone in late 2018. And, and it was Larry, actually. I was having lunch with him. Larry Legend. Yeah, I mean, I, I was having lunch with him, and 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 he knew how happy I was at Crystal, and we were doing great things and all. And you know, he 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 just said, "Hey, I think you know, you want to talk to somebody, just have a conversation with them." I know you're happy, you don't you don't want to leave, but it might be worth having a conversation. I said, "Yeah, I mean, I trust him. I trust you. You know, he's one mm-hmm. of the few people that I really 100 percent trust." And I said, "Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll you know I'll uh have the conversation with them, and and you know." Four or five months later, you know, I was at Fort Partners working in, in hospitality with, a, with an, an amazing owner that owned a couple of Four Seasons. He's building more. And then 
this yacht thing came up, right? Yes, that's where and, I want to talk about this. Yeah. This is kind of where the worlds all start changing and, and coming together for you. So mm -hmm. you're at Crystal Cruises. You have a lunch with Larry, who is someone that you created that report for, made that connection mm -hmm. with, and right. stayed. It's just amazing to know that, again, you didn't make that report. You may not be where you're at today. So you have that lunch, and you're with a four partners. And for listeners, four partners is very impressive, and they've got a great owner and i've just been watching yeah. them build these amazing products they own I think, all the four seasons in south florida and right. to palm beach and yep. they're like the best of the best uh products one of my favorite hotels right here the, the surf club so yeah yeah that's amazing was. it was my so you i brought i probably saw you there walking the halls and i didn't yeah. even know absolutely and i love hanging out there and i always bring people there so you're there and then was this knowing that there was going to be this Four Seasons yacht going on, or was it just being a part of this hotel company? Yeah, I knew. I, I, we, yeah, I, I got into it knowing that I was going to be a, a big piece of something really special. And I do, I do have to take a second to just you mentioned, you know, great ownership at Ford. I mean, Nadim Ashi is is he runs Fort, and he, he has the Surf Club, Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale, the Brickle property now, and he's building more. He's an incredible. Yeah, I saw Coconut I, Grove I, got announced, so like all these Coconut nice Grove that was in the real deal this week. Yes, and that's and that's Nadine and Ugo, right? So you know, I kind of knew who he was before. You know, I, I met with him, and when I met with him, it was just. I mean, I, I I just was I was just blown away by him. The guy's an incredible visionary, incredible business person, really someone that I look forward to working with. And, and, and also, you know, Philip Levine, you know, yeah, Philip Levine is another core. He's a co the co-chairman. I was the three of us. We had a conversation. It was the second or third time that I had met Philip, obviously knowing him in and around the industry and met him a few times. But sitting down and talking to him about this venture and everything that, you know, we were uh, we were going to do just blown away. I mean, he is a two term, you know, mayor of Miami Beach. And, you know, he, he himself had 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 become very successful in the cruise industry you know, with Royal Media Partners. And before that, he sold his company to LVMe. So these were two guys that really made things happen. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah, this is this is a good this is a good situation to be in because they don't fail. And I had a good friend of mine in the industry one time tell me, you know, when you hang out with winners, you're very you will very rarely lose. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm sitting I'm sitting here with Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. You know, that was my attitude, mm -hmm. you know, and had an opportunity to get on with them. And that's how it started, really. I mean, they, they spoke to me about it and obviously signed NDAs and all. And I got it immediately. And, and, and I, to this day, I joke around saying that I probably I probably hurt myself from a negotiations perspective because as soon as they told me about it, to me, I wasn't thinking about anything. I just said, look, if you guys are telling me that the Four Seasons is going to get into the yachting business, I get it. I'm that guy. Everything that I've done right now to my this point in my career has prepared, has prepared me to do what we need to do. It wasn't like what I need to do, what we need to do to make uh, this successful. Immediately, I got it. it. I didn't even have to think. I got it. And I was already in a really good situation. Like I had, I had zero plans on leaving the current role that I was at. But when they had told me about this and I had the opportunity to really come on and be a part of the, the, the initial or an original, really, the management team and be a big part of that. Absolutely. I, you know, that to me was like, you want to talk about like a, a career opportunity, you know, to be employee, like literally number one, the first person that they hired to do this. 
really, I, to this day, Steve, it's been four years and some change. I pinch myself daily. It's amazing. I pinch myself daily, yeah, because, and again, somebody's always watching. You know, I get back to it. Someone is always, always watching. Even when, and I wasn't always on Front Street at, at, at Crystal. My, again, knowing my, my role was to support the chief operating officer, the president, and everybody else, you know, associated with the brand and, and ownership in Hong Kong and all of that, making sure that they were good. Having the ability to go through export credit agency financing for the first time and make banking connections and things like that. That's where I was. But this is literally probably the only thing that could have had me say, okay, yeah, you know, I have to contemplate this. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I, I, just for meeting you and for listeners, this might sound familiar. We had Thatcher Brown on. And if you haven't heard his story yet, you can go back and find his episode. He's COO in the company and you two are just stand up gentlemen and winners. I can see it. Like it's, you just feel like I've talked to you guys a couple of times. I feel like I know you yeah, very Thatcher. well. Thatcher is incredible. I met him uh, when I met him in May of 2015 in Hong Kong. I had it literally was my fifth day as SVP of finance at Crystal. And we were at you know, a board meeting in Hong Kong and he was president of Dream Cruises owned by the same company. And I, I met him that one afternoon and we, we he's a native New Yorker, too. You yep. know, we joke around every now and then. I'm from Queens. He's from Manhattan. So we have this, you know, this thing going on. <laughs> yep. Right. But I met him and, and I was like, you know, you know, when you meet somebody, you just say, well, I'm going to be friends with this guy for like until I die. Like you just you meet somebody and just the genuine. You can have a real conversation with them. And what happened was, you know, we continued that. He was in Hong Kong. I was in Miami. Every now and then we'd meet in Europe if we were at similar meetings and things like that. And or one time I think we met in New York, but just stayed connected. Just o- always stay connected. And it wasn't like a networking thing for business purposes. It was like, man, that's a genuine guy. He looked at me say, probably saying the same thing. Don's a genuine guy, you know, and, and we, we developed a friendship. And to me, like, I think we're incredibly blessed to have him as our, our chief commercial officer. I think he brings a ton of knowledge. He's full of ideas. And most importantly, he's easy to work with. You know, everybody is everybody. And, and, and this is why I think we're going to be wildly successful because everyone's cu- cut from that hospitality cloth, you know, regardless of whether you're in sales, marketing, or in my case, finance, accounting and strategy or whatever, we all, we all see the goal line and we're all running at the same goal line in, in, in the straight line. And that's, that's fun, Steve, you know, that's yeah, really- I can see it. And I'm grateful to know you guys now. I feel like I'm connected with you, especially Thatcher, who showed up to my first event. And I was like, wow, you actually came, man. Like we only yeah. had like two conversations and you're here. So I was grateful well, I'm to upset him, and- at him. I'm upset at him because he didn't tell me about it. I would have showed up, you know. <laughs> Next one. Next one. We have you there. Sure. But I got two more questions because I want to be cognizant of the time that we have together. Yep. So yep. now you're you're doing this project, Mark Henry Cruise Holdings with Four Seasons Yachts. What is the difference? I'm not looking for a big, long story, but what's the difference with yachting and cruising? Because you've been in this world your mm-hmm. whole career. Is there a major difference or is it just luxury versus you know mass uh, groups of people? Like, What's it going to be like, the difference? I think it's a combination of, of all of them. I think to answer your question, I absolutely think that yachting is different than cruising. I think when you talk cruising, it's it's... I don't want to, I don't like using the term mass market because there are some really big ships out there that provide a luxury service. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. I think uh, coming from celebrity, I would say that that brand, 
you might have 2,000, 3,000 people on board and some people will say, oh, that's mass market, I'm not doing it. Let me tell you something. That is an outstanding deliverable, outstanding product that you get. That is not a mass market product. And even if you look at some of the Royal Caribbean ships I use as an example, you, if you get one of those lofts that are up on the top decks, that's not a mass market product. You know, mm-hmm. that, they're beautiful. You, you have your own. They're unbelievable, right? When I look at those types of ships and then I compare it to ours, it's just it's just more exclusive as all. I mean, it's it, it comes down to size. Like our ship is going to be approximately thirty three thousand tons, right? When you look at the space ratio and how we measure things in the industry, we're only going to have ninety five suites. Wow. So when you look at the space ratio that you have, it's huge. I mean, there's nothing that comes close to it. One of one of my favorite slides that we present at our investor presentations and all of that is the space ratio slide, you know, to show them, look, this is where everyone else is and this is where we are. And I I joke around and call that a moat because not a lot of people are going to cross that that moat to get to where we are. We're in the castle, in my opinion. And of course, I'm going to be excited about my own product, right? The old, our product, right? Because of what we're doing. But it does come down to size, I think. It, you know, it, we, the space ratio, again, is, is unbelievable. But the Four Seasons hospitality deliverable, again, in my opinion, is just second to none. And I think that that's what really makes us unique. Because it's not a licensing agreement where, you know, they're letting us use their tree device on the side of the ship and say Four Seasons yachts. The Four Seasons will actually be managing the hospitality piece of this. They're very much involved in the design. They're very much involved in the whole operationalizing of the whole product, the whole ship. So I joke around all the time saying, you know, if if we have issues with ratings, we're calling the president of Four Seasons Operations and saying, hey, what's going on with the ratings? Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that is very, very unique because there are a lot of other you know, licensing agreements out there that just, I just don't feel are the same as to what we're going to have. And I just talk about mine. I won't bring up any other competitors. I want to see them all do well. And I think everyone will do well. Yep. I just think that that's what separates us from a differentiation perspective is the fact that we will have a genuine four seasons product deliverable on board our yachts. And I, I think it. it's going to be wildly successful again. I really do believe it in my heart. I love it. I love hearing that. And so last question for you, Mm -hmm. Donna, you truly have been in every kind of category in this industry. And now you're building something brand new that's going to set the stage for any of the competitors coming after you. But if young Donald was coming onto your team today, right, was just moving down here with his wife from New York Mm -hmm. and was just starting out today on your team and say, hey, give me some advice. What advice would you give him? Again, I get back to it that you, you control three things when you come in, you know, when you're young, what time you come in, what you do during the day and what time you leave. I was never a clock watcher. I wasn't waiting for that horn to go off at five. I would spend time outside of work thinking about work. You know, I think I'd tell young Don to remember to have a career and not a job. I think that's important. I know a lot of people with jobs right now that aren't happy. When you have a career, it's a little bit different, right? You're, you're emotionally invested in what you're doing. It's not just for a paycheck. If you're working for a paycheck, then you're probably doing the wrong thing, right? I, I would definitely give or remind myself, uh, you know, to have those traits. I think I already had them just because I come from a really blue collar background. Again, being the first in my family to go to and graduate college. 
seeing how hard my parents worked, I think, put that in me as well as kids of immigrants. You know, I, I, that's what I would say. And then I would also tell keep, keep your ears open. Keep your eyes open. Don't just look at what we're doing. Look at what others are doing, too. I think that that's very, very important. Understand what the competitors are doing. That's only going to make you better. And also, although we're in yachting, I pay a lot of attention to what other hotels are doing. Because at the end of the day, this is all this is what we do. We operate a floating hotel. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what we do. So if the Four Seasons Surf Club is doing something really, really good, guess what? And people like it there. We're going to implement it on our ship. Or if it's being done at the Park Lane in London, the Four Seasons Park Lane or wherever, like we're going to want to do that. And quite honestly, I've been to other hotels with other brands and have noticed that they've done certain certain things really, really yeah. good. That and and that's what it is. But you know, you keep your eyes open, your ears open, and don't be arrogant. I mean, I've been I've been in certain departments too where it's ingrained in in your head, in your memory that hey, where you are right now is the absolute best. I've never had that arrogance, you know. And and I've seen how it has hurt other people in their careers in terms of where they are now. You know, and where I've where I've been blessed to wind up, to be honest with you. That's the the advice that I would give. And also just when you think when you think no one is watching, trust me, some somebody's somebody's paying attention. You don't you don't see it, you might not hear it, you know, you might not be thinking it, but someone is watching. And I share one one last thing with you. I'm 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 a big baseball fan, being from New York and all of that. And it was a quick story about Joe DiMaggio that I think about all the time. It's late in the season. The Yankees are in first cl- place by 20 games. Then, you know, then three days from now, they're going to the, to the, to the playoffs and all that. Joe DiMaggio's playing in center field. And, you know, balls hit out to right center. He's flying. He dives. He makes the catch, bangs into the wall, all of that. Third out, they're running back into the dugout. He's running back into the dugout with the right fielder. And, and this is a true story. Right fielder looks at him and goes, Joe, what are you doing? This game means nothing. You know, we're, we're about to go to the playoffs. And we need you. We can't have you get hurt. And, and, and he looked at the right fielder and he goes, there might be someone in the stands that has never seen me play before. And I just, when I, when I, when I was just, my high school baseball coach told me that story one time. And t- here we are, I can't believe I'm about to say 30 years, but 30 years later, I'm telling that story. So I'm a big believer in someone's always watching. You know, someone, you know, someone might be watching you play that has never seen you play. So I, I take that attitude to my profession on a daily basis, Steve. And uh, it worked, it's worked out pretty well for 30 years. I'm hoping that it works for the next 30 years, you know. I think that's probably the best advice I've heard in a long time. And especially for listeners out there, just rewind that last minute and re-listen to it. because That's great advice. And, and Donald, I'm grateful that you spent this time with all of us and shared all your stories and knowledge. I know I'm cheering for you. I know all the listeners now are going to be cheering for you and the team of building this amazing product that's going to really change the world of hospitality. I'm excited to meet you in person, and maybe I can be on that ship with you one day uh, having a coffee. So I look forward to it. It will happen, Steve. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you very much. This podcast is brought to you by Biscayne Coffee. Biscayne Coffee was founded with a giving spirit and a big idea to enjoy delicious coffee roasted in Miami while helping save Biscayne Bay and the animals that live there. As a former food and beverage director, I can assure you these are some of the best quality beans on the planet. 10% of every coffee sold is donated to nonprofits to help preserve Biscayne Bay for all to enjoy. Visit BiscayneCoffee.com today and use promo code MENTOR at checkout to save 10% on your first order. 
drink good coffee, and create a good outcome.